is ESG uh, just a fad? ESG disclosure needs to be forever, and I think it is forever. Then it becomes updating. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Impact Studios podcast series here at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business. I'm your host, Jerry Davis, faculty director of the Impact Studio, where we harness design and business acumen to create equitable, sustainable solutions for organizations. Creating a business today requires a radically different set of activities than it did even 10 years ago. Uh, I am here with Dr. Neil C. Hawkins to grill him about his experiences in the world of ESG, responsible investment, and sustainability. So Neil worked at uh, the Dow uh, uh, Dow Corporation for over 30 years, ultimately as Chief Sustainability Officer. He was president of the Herb Family Foundation uh, for several years and worked closely with our own Herb Institute. Uh, and he is currently the CEO of World Environment Center and teaching at Harvard and executive in residence at Business Plus Impact. So you've been with it. Was your first job at Dow involved in sustainability or did you morph over from another function? Because your degree is in public health. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And within public health, I have a doctorate in public health, but it's I'm more of an environmental engineer within public health. Um, you know, I joined in 88. That's within a year or so of the Brundtland Commission report. And the Brundtland Commission report defined sustainable development for the UN. I, I was really in a corporate job in a company that wanted to take Brundtland and advance it from very early. So that's 30 years ago plus. So I have I had a 30-year look at what was going on in the private sector in sustainability. Wow. So you've had a front row seat for the development of sustainability and ESG-related issues in the corporate world for uh, three and a half decades, which is, uh, uh, which is a lot. Uh, how have you seen the, the field evolve around this topic? So 30 years ago, uh, we talked about corporate social responsibility. Um, a lot of us were fairly cynical about this and felt that it often just reflected uh, you know what Tom Lyon would call greenwashing, or efforts to sort of that it that it looked more like marketing than something deeper. Uh, and then in 2004, the World Bank launched the phrase ESG, Environment, Social Governance, um, as kind of an investment theme. But I wonder what are your thoughts about the way that this whole sort of set of concerns has has evolved over time? Yeah, I. Uh, in my career, we were very careful not to greenwash. And we, uh, as an engineering-based firm, if anything, we did not take enough credit for things we were doing. And we're very cautious about claiming uh, successes. So I, I don't think, and we were not a marketing company. So if you're a company that markets products and have, you know, has hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of advertising, that's where you can have greenwashing more. Now, CSR um, was not the terminology we used 
ourselves. Uh, CSR was more a term in Europe. I'm saying over, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So when you heard about CSR, that's more what a European, including people in Dow, would say. ESG as a term and as a concept has kind of come along at the same time uh, of my career. And I would say it, it became more of a organizing principle and statement maybe a decade ago. But we were really, during my career, we were sticking pretty close to our sustainability goals. We, can, we were very active in ESG. Uh, for example, I was appointed um, to the TCFD, which was a landmark group that defined climate disclosures. It was brought together by Michael Bloomberg and Mark Carney. And so we were contributing on things people today would think of as ESG. Um, 20 years ago, we started a third-party verified GRI report. So very early, and I had our experts available to GRI to help define new metrics, LCA, other things under supporting it. So we were very active behind the scenes and trying to help lead. And we were very active in trying to make sure our what today you might consider an ESG report was accurate. Okay, now that's, that's a helpful context to make sense of that. So uh, uh, bumping up a bit in, in sort of levels of analysis, a lot of the enthusiasm around ESG as an investment thesis is the idea that you can do well by doing good, that ESG funds have a performance bump that you get because um, you know maybe having a noble purpose helps you attract better employees or you get you know better uh, deals with vendors or consumers like you better. That, that basically that there's a payoff to being high on ESG. And so there's an investment advantage to that. Um, do you have a take on all of this? First off, Jerry, there there are a lot of claims made. There are probably thousands of investment vehicles that claim that they have a better mousetrap to have higher returns based upon sustainability metrics. And, and there are a lot of mousetraps. This is what I'll say. First, companies that manage what you call ESG well um, are better managed companies. But the real payoff in investment is on strategy. And you know, I think companies that integrate sustainability into their corporate and business strategies, thoughtfully riding the trends, not fighting the trends, um, have a much better chance at beating their competitors uh, on earnings and profitability over time. Yeah, that, that feels right um, to me. So there's at least 125 different data vendors giving different ratings of ESG. Mm -hmm. So the idea that sort of being high on this number that's measured very differently by different vendors, the idea that that would be sufficient 
uh, to drive better investment returns. That that does seem a little sketch to me. Um, but I did want to dig in a little bit uh, on ESG used to just seem like a boring do-gooder segment of the capital markets, but it is suddenly within the last two to three years become really controversial to, to, to a remarkable extent that three presidential candidates, um, at least some erstwhile presidential candidates, have publicly denounced ESG. Mike Pence wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal about how ESG is a uh, sinister conspiracy uh, by left-wingers to try to take over corporate America because they can't win at the ballot box. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy wrote a book called Woke Inc. about the wickedness of ESG and woke corporations, and he started his own family of anti-ESG funds so that you could do well by doing bad, I guess was sort of his thesis. <laughs> um and uh, Ron DeSantis has also come out against wokeness and woke corporations. Yeah, well, it it's the politicization of investment, and it it's not constructive. Um, let me just step back for a minute. Okay, there's ESG disclosures, and then there are investment vehicles. Uh, that use ESG information to make decisions. And they're not the same thing. Okay, so the generation of ESG reports and ESG information, I think, is a very noble and appropriate activity because in any free market, you can only have efficiency if people have complete information. And I think most people would say we do need to have efficient markets for allocating resources. So I think all companies should be doing disclosure. Okay. And I think it, it's difficult to argue that that should not be happening. But some of the people you cite don't even want disclosure, they want to just get rid of ESG, and to me, it's analogous to climate change. These are people, not I'm not saying these individuals, but as a category, these are people that say climate change is not happening, okay? And I, I think the science is very clear on that. Where there should be debate is on what to do about climate change, okay? And so, People that take the position of saying the climate science is wrong, if they don't want to do anything about it, that's fine. They're, you know, that's their that's their appropriate um, policy decision if that's what they wish. But whether or not there is climate change, that's uh, you know that's for the science to dictate. Policy, different. Okay, in the ESG side, I think people need, companies need to disclose their uh, impacts across these different metrics and whether or not or how investments are made in a differential way 
is up to the investors. Okay, and I, I, so I think the naysayers should support the generation of the data. And if they don't want BlackRock to use the information, well, they can avoid BlackRock. If they don't want J.P. Morgan to do it, they can avoid J.P. Morgan. If they don't want CalPERS to do it, well, there's not much they can do about that. But because it's up to CalPERS. But I, I think the protagonists need to differentiate providing of information from the investment uh, decisions. And and just one last thing on that. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Texas made a decision to not use woke ESG companies to help them on their bonds and other things. They ended up spending, I think it was $400 million more by using firms that did not have any uh, position on ESG. And that's money that could have been used to feed hungry people, provide services, um, build a building, whatever. I, I think it's nuts. It's it's about politics. And yeah, I think all players and actors should pick the most efficient and effective uh, methods and uh, choices for their constituents. But to waste that kind of money because you don't like what J.P. Morgan Chase says about climate change is a little nuts to me. Well, thank you. That That's uh, all I have for today. But uh, Dr. Hawkins, uh, thank you for joining B plus I as our executive in residence. We're delighted to welcome you and all your insights and look forward to our future collaborations. Jerry, this was fun. And thank you for having me as an executive in residence. This has been the Impact Studio Podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. This podcast was produced in collaboration with Glenn Bugala.